Thanks to Cry Malt, this is Beer is a Conversation and I am Matt Kirkegaard. This week we chat to Larry Maher, Regional Sales Manager for Food Flavourings Business Amoretti. Now the first question you may ask is why is Brews News speaking with a food flavourings business? And that's a question I asked myself when I was offered the chance to speak with Larry. As I dug a little bit deeper into the business and what's going on in the US, it raised a lot of questions though. Amoretti makes a range of flavourings that are being used in the US and now in Australia to add flavour to beer. My first thought when I heard this was, but that's not craft, which is a mindset that has dominated craft brewing through notions of traditional when it comes to craft. And that's something that we've explored quite a bit lately because I had the same instinctive reaction with the use of enzymes in beers to make them gluten-friendly or more recently using enzymes in the making of brute IPAs. So in this conversation, I find out a little bit more about Amoretti, their flavourings, and whether in the search to add flavour to beer, we're stretching notions of what craft is. Enjoy the conversation. Larry Maha, welcome to Beer is a Conversation. Thanks for joining us. Well, thanks for having me. One of the things that piqued my interest and uh, induced me to have a bit of a chat with you is when we think of craft beer and some of the names, uh, you know, we, we've got Yakima Hops, we've got uh, White Yeasts, we've got you know, White Labs, um, and we've got a variety of different providers, but Amoretti is not one that really jumps out on uh, to, on, on the tip of people's tongues when they're thinking about brewing industry, industry supplies. So maybe you can tell us a little bit of, of the background uh, to yourself and uh, Amoretti. Yes, uh, Amoretti's been around for about 30 years. We're a family-owned company. Jack and Maral Barsumian, the Armenians from the, immigrated from, Jack from Egypt and Maral from Lebanon, came and started an ingredient company in California, uh, Los Angeles, and what they did is um, they actually started selling ingredients to uh, pastry chefs. And they went on from pastry chefs, and they've always been innovative and looking at the next category to go to. So what made them famous in the industry, if you will, is Jack's talent of making everything natural as possible and true to the true flavor, went off and made um, off into the ice cream, yogurt, and just recently, the last three or four years, we've gone into the beer business and by request of a lot of home brewers, smaller brewers looking for flavoring, but they want a natural flavoring and a concentrated flavoring that would have a clean finish. And so, you know, to speed up to that, we've done pastries for probably 25 years and um, ice cream, dairy, um, yogurt and things like that as well, donuts to flavoring uh, beer. And it's been a wild ride ever since the last three or four years. So, so you've only been involved in the in supplying the brewing industry for a couple of years? Correct. Yeah, we've uh, done beverages, we've done martini mixes, we've done um, coffee syrups. You know, so we're, we're not new to the beverage, if you will, but uh, the beer is one that we've... Uh, and we've done everything with... You know, we, we go to the brewmasters and ask what they're looking for, and then Jack will create it for them. And did brewers come looking for you or did you go looking for markets uh, for, for your purees and your compounds? 
Um, we've had, you know, the smaller home brewers come at, approach us. Um, then we had some larger brewers come approach us and then we aggressively let them know we were around. I mean, we believe in, uh, sampling. So, you know, proof is in the pudding. Try it. If you like it, great. If not, we understand. Um, we understand, you know, some people would like to use natural flavoring. Some people like to use real fruit and, you know, we're there to help them if they want. And, you know, so on. Talk me through uh, what, what your range is, um, because you've got purees, you've got compounds, and you've uh, got natural flavors. Tell us a little bit about what each is and what they add to a beer. Um, with the compounds, which is basically the fruit, the natural fruit, boiled down down to a concentrate, then we add the sugar back into it, and so it's concentrated, so usually a compound flavor would be... I would say, depending on the flavor, three to five percent usage. So whatever your batch is, we should be three to five percent of the batch to get the flavor profile you're looking for. Um, the craft purees is it's a concentrated craft puree. We designed it so one pump, which is a quarter ounce, could flavor a pint of beer. So it gives the brewer the option of tasting what the beer would be like with the flavor in it a pint at a time versus creating a whole batch. Then we have extracts, which are 0.01% usage. So it's very concentrated, so you, you don't need much, but uh, it gives them an opportunity to use use uh, the concentrate if they don't want to add a lot of liquid to it, if they don't want to use too much craft purees or so on. It's, it's usually preference. A lot of brewers, they love using extracts. Some brewers, they'd rather stay away from them. That's one of the, the the interesting things that we've we're seeing as the market uh, matures. The, the the beer market matures. I think when you look at the early Brewers Association definition for craft beer that much of the world adopted, they talked about things like traditional, um, and there was a something of a um, puritanical approach to that. That you know craft brewers didn't use adjunct sugars. They didn't use enzymes. They didn't use some of the modern techniques because they're craft brewers how does uh your do, do your products fit into to that mindset or does it involve brewers thinking a little bit differently about their approach to brewing uh for them to to use some of these flavor extracts well the brewers in one are, are very creative individuals i mean they're they're great people to work with and some embrace change in technology and some you know hang on or they preserve the tradition. I mean, there's a balance. I wouldn't say all of them are going this way or all of them going this way. It's a good mix. And a lot of them are intrigued with the technology and they're looking at what the other ones are doing. And some are impressed and some are like, well, I'm not going to touch that. I, I like the way I'm doing it. It's, if you ask me, is it going all in one direction of, I mean, the flavors, people think it's going to be a wave, but it's, there's so many flavors and so many creations that they can do and they only do it a batch at a time. It's not something they're going to make. And this is going to be my beer for the next five years. It's something that they can have a lot of play with. And, uh, it's a learning experience for everybody. I mean, we're learning from them and they're learning from other brewers. And what's fun to watch is other brewers collaborate on what worked and what didn't work. And it's, uh, it's refreshing to see in the industry. So talk me through some of the flavors and some of the usages um, that the Amoretti uh, products have. 
Or, or who, who are you supplying in, in, in the, the U.S.? We have large brewers. We've got a lot of medium-sized brewers, but we have you know some large ones. But some of them use the craft purees. Some use the artisan, which is a more concentrated one. Um, the flavors, you know, uh, passion fruit, mango, blood orange. Um, we started out with the craft purees. We started out with six flavors. We're up to 42, and all of them are by request. You know, brewers, hey, do you have this flavor? Do you have this flavor? We had one. We had peach. Someone says, well, I need a white peach. I don't need a Georgia peach. <laughs> you know, so it's, it's, yeah, so we have all kinds, and so we make it. You know, they ask for it, and we try to create it for them in their style. So that's how we've kind of evolved on the flavors. There are a number of, uh, for example, Scandinavian ciders where the use of some of the flavorings is almost to create a, an, an alcoholic soft drink. What use does uh, brewers put to these flavors? Is it to uh, enhance or add to the flavors, or is it just to create something that's distinctive and will get people drinking you know, that beer over, over something else? It's hard because it's, some guys make a beer and say, okay, this would be, like, for example, uh, we sell a lot of espresso to guys who make stout. Mm-hmm. And they say, well, it's natural. And, it, it's, it's some, and then, you know, we make a habanero with the heat. You know, someone wanted to make a passion fruit habanero. Um, I mean, we always say you're just only limited to your imagination. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's en- endless on the requests we get. We, get a, we made a sriracha uh, mango for somebody. <laughs> I mean, it's it's endless. It's 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 pretty comical. I guess the question that uh, some brewers would be, and, and th- th- this comes back to that philosophy of brewing, um, the, the question that some brewers would be asking: Well, if you want coffee flavor in your beer, why not use coffee? Why use a uh, coffee concentrate or coffee essence? You know, some items. You know, coffee is a good example where yeah, you probably could use coffee, uh, mango. Mango is a muted flavor. You know how many mangoes you got to get to get a flavor. <laughs> you know, I mean, it's. We'll never say, "Hey, don't use fruit. We're better than fruit." By no means. What we're going to do is say, "Hey, you want to use fruit? Great, but you know what? We can help you make it consistent. You know, we can we can keep it there for you. So it's it's right where you want it. You know, you can kind of dial it in. So it's you know it, it's not something I don't think we're looking to replace anything. We're just giving you another tool to use. And consistency is is one of those uh, topics that a lot of brewers um, are, are pointing to. And I, mean, I remember reading a quote, it would be 10 years ago, that somebody was saying the god of brewing isn't consistency. And that was you know, to, to justify highly variable um, craft beers when they were making, uh, you know, almost they were marking their territory out as being different to the you know, perfectly consistent um, lagers that had gone before. But as the industry matures, we are seeing more and more brewers start to say, well, you know, consistency is actually something that we, we want to go for. Um, is, is that something that you're playing into, that, that, that evolving mindset? Yes. I mean, it's when craft purees, when they first started out, and we were talking, Justin, earlier today, where at, when they first started out, you'd be hesitant to get one at the store because you weren't sure if it was going to be consistent or not, you know. And unfortunately, we've been conditioned to when you get something, you want to know exactly what it's going to be. It's, it's not a surprise every time. And yeah, and consistency is very important. I think the best beers are the ones that are consistently at the level you expect when you order one. Yeah. And Charlie Bamforth is famous for saying, you know, he has the analogy with a car is that 
when you buy a car, you want to make sure that every time you go to use it, it starts because that's the sort of consistency we, we expect. Um, there are other things that, that, that we can add um, if we're looking for an experience, but reliability isn't one of the things that we want to exchange. Exactly. Yeah, it's it's it's. I'm trying to trying to put an analogy on it. You know, when do you, when do you want to be surprised? Not very often. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, so what's the process? If you've got somebody, uh, and I'm just sort of looking at some of the, you know, you've got jalapeno pepper puree, uh, habanero pepper uh, puree, and you said uh, before about jalapeno mango puree. What is someone trying to come up with um, to, to, when they approach you and say, "Oh, could you do this for me?" Yeah, I mean, they're working on a beer and they're saying, hey, I think this would be great. Can you get this flavor? You know, and it's like, well, yeah. I mean, we, we have over 25,000 different flavors in our book. And if we have that flavor, we can make it into a craft puree. So, I mean, like I said, it, it's endless. I mean, for example, I have a customer in Hawaii. Um, it wasn't for beer, but it's for the bakery. But they wanted the purple potato they make out there in Hawaii. And potato is not much of a flavor, but we made it for them. Well, now there's breweries out there, home brewers that are making it with it. Um, I mean, it's we get a request for the Red Bull flavor. Somebody made a, you know, wanted to make a beer with that Red Bull flavor. So it's uh, it, it's endless on what they, the requests are. I'm just trying to think of the potential, but then again, I again coming back to that idea of craft is that. The, the purists, they say, well, if you want that flavor, you work out how you can get that in there using the existing beer ingredients. And it's, uh, you know, it, it, it's cutting corners. It, it, is it cutting corners or is it, it, is it just providing consumers with an option? I believe it's offering a, an option because usually, unless it's a mainstream flavor, like blood orange to us would be a mainstream flavor, mango, things like that. When you get into habanero ones or things like that, it's more of, hey, check this out. Look what I made. You know, it, it, it's showing its creative side. They're always going to have their four or five handles that are going to be consistently great and for the masses. But he's always going to want to have one, hey, check this out. I just made this. And, you know, and talk to his buddies and the guys who really are into trying something different. I mean, the sours came out and, I mean, they're growing like crazy, but I, it was all by someone who just said, hey, check this out. I made a sour. You know, and it's, there's different passion fruit sour, pineapple sour. I mean, they're having creative with that now too. I, I, I spoke to uh, Bill Savage from Goose Island just uh, for the podcast this week, and he was talking about putting, I think, something like 50 kilos of peaches into, from memory, it was each barrel. So that's a lot of peaches when you're talking about <laughs> hundreds of barrels. Um, yeah. I would imagine, well, I, I guess on, on one hand, that means that they can talk about some of those big figures. But I'd imagine that that's a fairly expensive process, trying, trying to source 50 kilos or 50 pounds of uh, peaches per barrel. And to be consistent. I mean, it's, every fruit has a season, when it's, you know, green, ripe, and past its prime, you know, it's how do you make sure, sure that's consistent? And, you know, that's how well, I look at it as that's how we can help. You know, yeah, that's great. Use use the peaches. But we can make sure, you know, it's consistent. Is the way brewers are using these flavors the, the, the same that other food um, categories are adopting flavor as well? Yeah, I think so. 
Yeah, it's because it, it, we're not changing the brewing process by any means. I mean, they're still brewing the beer like they did. They're just putting one more ingredient in. Yeah. I was reading a book earlier this year, and it's called The Dorito Effect. And I was looking at how some of the flavorings of Doritos have changed our perception of flavors. Are you aware of the book? I probably shouldn't go too deeply into it if, if you're not. No, but I, I, I kind of get an idea where it's going because I totally agree with that. I know the analogy of that. Yeah, and, and, and are we at risk with some of these flavors uh, changing the perception of what beer flavor is? I think so. I think, I mean, for an example, I love an IPA. My wife does not like an IPA, but I can put a pump of passion fruit in an IPA, and now we're both drinking the same beer. You know, it's that easy. Mm. And, you know, so I don't have to go to the store and buy two six-packs. So I can, we can share a six-pack, and I can have the IPA. I can put a pump of the passion fruit in her glass and pour it in there, and she'll have a passion fruit IPA. Are there any flavors that, that we can't um, develop for, for brewing? Uh, sure, everything has its limitations, but it's, and if it can be done, you know, we'll, we'll give it the old college try, you know, <laughs> Jack, the owner would say. I mean, he, he loves the challenge. I mean, he, he pulls his hair out when I come back and say, hey, you know, I got a request for XYZ, and he says, no, I can't do it. And then 10 minutes later, I'll come back, okay, let me, let me give it a shot. I think I can do it. <laughs> how, how do you go about developing a, a new flavor if somebody comes and says they want chili mud crab um, flavored? <laughs> uh, Jack will eat a lot of it and try to get the <laughs> flavor profile and then start go to his lab. But yeah, it's, it's all Jack. I mean, he does it, the owner of the company. He's the one that creates all these flavors. So you've just launched in Australia. Have they seen a big take-up in, in, in the U.S.? Are you seeing a lot of brewers, or is it just something that you're just starting to tap into in, in the U.S.? No, the U.S. has been going strong, I would say, the last four years on flavors. Um, it, and it's just, it's, I don't think it's even peaked. It's still going. Um, we're getting request after request from, you know, from the home brewer to large brewers, I mean, it's, it's, I thought it would, you know, kind of plateau a little bit after about four or five years, but it's, uh, even the bigger guys now are getting into it with multiple flavors and not just one. Usually they'll do one, but a lot of the big brewers now are doing multiple flavored beers. I guess with, I think the latest statistic I saw was that there's six and a half thousand breweries operating in the U.S. at the moment. Yeah, if and growing. And I know growing. California has over has over five thousand just in California. Wow. Okay, and I, I guess it provides a, a boon for uh, suppliers such as yourself because when you've got that many brewers all looking to stand out, they are looking for something that will give them an advantage to to stand out. Is that one of the things you've seen as driving the the, the growth of these flavorings? Yes, it's the home brewer trying to make a name for himself. It's the smaller brewer trying to wow the bigger brewers. I mean, it's just kind of everybody's, you know, everything's competitive and everybody wants to, Hey, I thought of this flavor. No one else has it. Or I thought of this and no one else ever done this one before. So, um, yeah, it's, it, it, it's competitive, but in, in a good way. I mean, it's, we win, you know, because we're getting all these great beers. <laughs> if somebody came to you and came up with something that was genuinely unique, would you make it and let them have it exclusively, or your business wouldn't, uh, your, your, your business model wouldn't let you, you you do that? Yeah, it could be. Obviously, the volume would have to be tied to it. Um, you know, if they did it and they say, "Hey, we want a proprietary 
we want to, you know, we want this to be our flavor. Yeah, we've, we can do that. We've done that in the past. Oh, you have? Okay. Obviously, there's got to be some scale. Well, yeah, it, it's a collaboration. If they helped collaborate the flavor and helped us tweak it, you know, gave us direction on what they want to do, you know, I'm sure, you know, Jack and Merle would be more than willing if the volume's there, you know, to lock it into their, as their flavor. I'm just going through the, the website and I've, I, I came to the Zs because it's literally A to Z. Now there's a, 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 a Zabayon syrup. Amarini took the flavor of egg yolk, sugar, and masala wine. And yeah, it's a request by a, a customer to make that for them. But you've got uh, yuzu uh, syrups. Um, it it right. just seems to be there's just about anything that uh, pina colada, pomegranate, pistachio, pumpkin, and uh, just about anything that you can uh, think of. Uh, you, you've got flavorings. And brewers are actually using all of these because we, we haven't seen a lot of them down here yet. Yeah, like I said, all of them literally are been by request. I mean, it's not, I mean, we thought of a few, but it's all of them are requests. They're asking for these, you know, asking for a certain flavor. Hey, can you make this? Can you make that? Um, like I said, the craft purees, we started out with six, and now we're up to 42. <laughs> and, I mean, we made a habanero, and then someone said, well, I want a jalapeno. So we made a jalapeno. And they said, no, no, I want the pickled jalapeno. So we made the pickled jalapeno. You know, it just kind of parlays up. Uh, we have a beer festival down here each year called the Great Australasian Beer Spectacular that has over 100 specialty beers. And I can see these uh, syrups getting a, uh, and, and flavorings getting a bit of a workout at that as brewers uh, very much try and stand out. Have you got an ambergris syrup yet? <laughs> no, we don't. But uh, I'll, I'll make sure I put that on uh, Jack's list. <laughs> so, so they do come at a size of uh, that the home brewers can order them. Yes, uh, we have them in a seven fifty bottle, seven fifty milliliter. You know, we'll make it. We make the order ninety percent of the time. So, but you can get in a seven fifty bottle all the way up to a drum. Oh wow! Okay, so uh, and we can send. Uh, I got onto these through Bintani, so people can order them through Bintani, no doubt. Exactly. exactly. Terrific. Oh, well, Larry, thank you very much for joining me and enlightening me about uh, and introducing me to the world of uh, syrups and flavorings. No, thank you. I appreciate the time and I enjoyed speaking with you. And that was Larry Maher. Don't forget, if you like what we do at Radio Brews News, you can help us out in a number of ways. You can sponsor the show, either by a small monthly contribution or through a one-off donation. You can find details in the show notes. You can review our podcast on iTunes or your favourite podcasting service. Let us know what you think and help others discover the show. Finally, you can tell us directly what you think by sending an email to producer at brewsnews.com.au. All letters received will receive a Brews News bottle opener, and thanks to our good friends at Beer Cartel, the letter of the week will receive a mixed six-pack of Australian craft beer. When Brews News cast and crew are buying online, we buy at Beer Cartel. We love hearing your thoughts on the stories we cover because beer is a conversation. And we look forward to another conversation next week. Music.